0: The following program may be too intense for younger viewers. Parental discretion is advised. We all feel better, better. in the dark. We all feel better in, in the dark. We all,
1: all feel better in the dark. In conclusion, if you find yourself falling asleep. Having a dream child in the middle of a nightmare. While you're trying to wake up when you're being chased by a guy with razors on his fingers. And you don't know it's a new nightmare. And then you got Jason. He's got an axe. Got Kelly Rowland. She's not saying. Nightmare, nightmare, baby. Nightmare, baby. Nightmare, baby. License to ill-close Flow. HY. Once upon a time on a Super Bowl night, two guys from BK brought the points to life. Gave you some previews and some laugh. Wasn't no big thing, no one thought it would last. Then one started growling at the mention of a chick. The other guy would lose it every time he got pissed. Next thing you know, they got a good fan base. So they said, What the hell? Let's continue the pace. No stone uncovered. They will take on a topic, might bring on the gas and together they rock it. Cause they're in like flint. Two micers are cool. If you don't know the beautiful one, they will take you to school. I'm talking about Tom DJ and Derek Ferguson. The best podcast out, hands down it's set. So when this in the car,
0: if you're chillin' in the park Welcome to another show of better in the dark That woman's not wearing underwear Is that all you can think about? Food and sex? Yes, please,
1: Okay. My attempt to
0: create the world's first anti-grabbing
1: device has taken a bizarre turn Anti-grab, uh-huh Something else, definitely You you giving my best? It's not in
0: you the new Adventures of Team back and Second Chance, the Saturday Boys of Fun. And until we get back in touch with you...
1: Go watch that movie!
0: Right, Davin? Go watch what? that movie! <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess... For the next hour or so, you're kind of listening to Fox. Not Fox News. Oh, God, no. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to be Chris Scarborough for no man. Fox, the TV network. Oh, okay. This episode was inspired by the fact that the Fox TV network had its 25th anniversary this year and proceeded to throw itself a party.
1: Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm going to say right now, I did not see the episode. And I saw most of it. You saw most of it. So you feel free to use as many grains
0: of salt as you feel will apply to whatever I have to say. But they did throw themselves a little two-hour-long party, Mm -hmm. which seemed more geared towards getting people to watch New Girl than anything else. Yeah. The thing that struck me was how they tended to, not surprisingly, emphasize a very tiny sliver of their 25 years of existence. And right. And we were talking about this, and my partner Derek Ferguson here, and my partner Thomas DJ there, decided to devote an episode to what we call The Secret History of Fox. We're going to just have a little free-form discussion, talking about some of the stuff that maybe Fox TV wishes they had not done in the 25 years.
1: Because, see, you guys don't take advantage of the resource you have here. Yeah, Tom and I, because we're up there in age, <laughs> we were actually there when
0: Fox started, when it began, and when it had only three TV shows, and just proceeded for the what was like six hours. It was they had a two hour block. They had Tracy Ullman Show, Married with Children, Twenty One Jump Street, and proceeded to just show the same shows over and over again over the course of the first six hours of their broadcast.
1: Now, first of all, you got to realize something, folks. I realize now, because now we've got Fox, and so we've yeah. got all these different... Cha- I mean, we've got TV channels up the wazoo. Right. You cannot realize how revolutionary it was back in the day that Fox announced they were going to buy a network, and they were going to start their own, network, start their own network devoted to their own programming. The backlash was incredible. ranging from this will never catch on to other studios. It
0: was the first time. And now all other studios, yeah. they have their own networks now. yeah. They it was the first time since the fifties that we had more than three networks, four if you count PBS, right, on broadcast television.
1: Before then, here in New York, it was just CBS,
0: NBC, ABC, and PBS, and PBS, two, four, seven, and thirteen, plus three independent stations that right. run independently. And would show a mixture of Syndicated shows Reruns from Channel 9
1: Network, Channel WWR 11, on
0: Right On the Caucus, Channel 9 WPIX Which is right. on 42nd Street and 2nd Avenue Here in New York mm-hmm. Proper And WYNW which, which was on 65th Street and 3rd Avenue
1: which eventually became Fox Fox,
0: which was the major Fox affiliate here in the New York area and this came about because Rupert Murdoch decided he wanted his own TV network Mm -hmm. Rupert Murdoch and that's why YNW was the first Fox affiliate because Murdoch owned that station Outright So we knew right from the start Which where we were Going to get our Fox hmm. But yeah 25 years ago And I remember watching One one way through I think I watched All three shows That first night
1: Yeah Yeah me too Most of us did Because it was like a curiosity said, factor. This was such a novelty What a new network yeah. Man well, What are we going to do now What are they going to have What are they going to show And I'm like you I watched all three shows And I think I probably Watched them again Because in that block They would show them Original run And then
0: rerun them at 7 And then they showed it again At 9 And showed it again at, So it was
1: which was another novelty. Well, what do you mean you're going to rerun the yeah. show right again after that? Back then, again, we're talking about pre-Fox, reruns were strictly for the summertime. Yeah. It wasn't like now where you have a show and you can watch it. If I missed it on Monday night, I know I can watch the rerun. Yeah, They're going to rerun it again the same week. They didn't do that
0: back then. The prospect of showing reruns of shows from earlier in the week on Fridays and Saturdays is more a case of the broadcast networks in the last 10 years just giving up. Yeah. And realizing nobody's watching us on those hours. Because it used to be, yes, you'd have original programming seven days a week. But Fox did a lot of things kind of unusual in those early days because, first off, they were the first what they call netlet in that rather than broadcast three hours a day, although they did broadcast originally three hours on Saturday and Sunday, they decided they would only broadcast between the hours of 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock, allowing the local affiliates to still run news and local programming Right. From 10 yeah. to 11, right, yeah. which has become the standard operating procedure for the other netlets that followed. The one that I think everybody forgets, the Universal Network, that ran for about uh, two years on WWOR. The one that featured She-Wolf of London. Well, this was before UPN. This was before UPN, yeah. yeah, And then WWOR got bought by Universal, the Viacom, and then that's when we got... UPN. Yeah. Universal I, Paramount Network. Yeah, Universal thing. Paramount. Yeah,
1: because yeah. remember, their whole thing was hinged upon, it launched with the Star new Star Trek series. You're going to get, if you right. become right. one of our affiliates, right. you get Star Trek. You get Star Trek, get Star Trek get Star Voyager. Trek from now Star Star Trek
0: Voyager, yeah. And after we're done with Star Trek Voyager, you'll get the next Star Trek series. Right. You're always going to have Star Trek yeah. on your network. And
1: that was the selling point.
0: The, the Universal Network was interesting in that what they did was they entered into a lot of, whatchamacallit's, with other networks from other countries. Countries, so that you had things like Dracula the series Yeah I remember that Which it, yeah. was a UN co-production With a German television network You had What was the name Name of the show with Dean Cameron has the alien trying to pretend to be a teenager. That was a Canadian co-production. Mm-hmm. The one that I remember was actually was very good. She Wolf of London was a, a yeah, funny. yeah, she will, was yeah. done in uh, association with London Weekend Television. It only lasted two years. WB came after that. WB was next. One mm-hmm. which featured, of course, Michigan J Frog as their um, hello, my honey, hello. hello, my baby, hello, my right. That came yeah. UPN, and which
1: actually that cartoon, yeah. I'm going to digress here for a minute, yeah. folks. But many of you probably know it's cartoon called "One Froggy Can't Evening," where a homeless guy yeah. finds Michigan J. Frog, and he sings. Hello, my honey. Yeah. Hello, my baby. Hello, my ragtime guy. But the catch is that he'll only sing it for this guy. Yeah. Whenever somebody else. That shouldn't be shown to kids. That's one of the most frightening yeah. cartoons. That's a horror story. I seem to recall that started out as a joke. But anyway. But Michigan J. Fraud. Yeah, this is where the character came from. Yes. He was the
0: mascot for. And you know... the other thing I wrote, of course, about UPN. I remember UPN's first three shows released. They broadcast initially on Monday nights and Wednesday, Wednesday nights. And Wednesday. Wednesday night was Voyager. It was Voyager, yep. And Monday night, they had two shows, Mm -hmm. Pigpen, which was about a bunch of guys who decided to chip in on a luxury apartment in New York, which had a janitor played by the very hot Liz Vassie. Okay. And the show that I can now no longer think of except in tragic terms, Platypus Man. The Richard Jenny sitcom. Oh, okay. And of course, I can't think of that without thinking that Richard Jenny killed himself yeah. because Platypus Man got canceled a year later. Poor guy. He was a very talented comedian. Yeah, Richard Jenny was funny. I liked him. And these networks all came out of the fact that Fox succeeded. It took a while. Yeah. And Fox did things kind of cleverly, though. And th- this also became part of the template for the other Netlets, which is that they didn't start with seven days of programming mm-hmm. right away. They had Sunday night. They had Sunday night locked up, yeah. Yeah, Sunday night. They had Tuesday night was their movie night. I remember that. Yeah. For the longest time. It was the Tuesday night movie, and I think the other one was Wednesday night.
1: Okay, back when they first started out, you got to remember something. Sunday night was pretty much yeah. considered the ghetto. Channels 2, 4, and 7, pretty much abandoned yeah. Sunday night. That was the well, ghetto. That was, that
0: was like TV movie night.
1: That was the ghetto yeah. night. The only thing you might find, you might find a, a football game on... I stand correctly. It
0: was Saturday night. It was Sunday, Saturday, and Tuesday night. Yeah. Those were the first three nights on Fox.
1: Yeah. Those nights were abandoned by Channel 2. So Fox was very smart in the fact that they said, we're going to take over Sunday night, which they still do even to this day with the animation domination. But back then, they said, no, we're going to own Sunday night. I don't think there
0: ever was a time when Fox did not own Sunday night. Yeah. Right from the start, they had Married with Children. But it started with with Married with Children. Which became their first, which is funny because... The show they were really betting on to be their big breakout show was a mm. show called Duet. Yeah. And it was kind of an innovative show for its time. Because but let me say this before you go into the question, folks.
1: Don't let anybody else tell you differently. The Fox Network we have today was built on the
0: back of Married with That's Children. Right. Married with Children built the Fox Network. It was Married with Children. It was America's Most Wanted. Yeah, oh, it's Saturday on Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. Because Saturday night started out with some regular situation comedies and mm-hmm. a half-hour adventure show called Adventures of
1: Beans Baxter. Baxter. Yeah, Adventures of Beans <laughs> And Werewolf.
0: Which lasted two seasons. I love Beans Baxter. Mm-hmm. I When they canceled, I got The showrunner was Savage Steve Holland. Savage Steve Holland. You know what? I'm going to propose this, and most people are going like, who? Who the hell is Savage Steve Holland? I'm if you don't know this, this, we need to induct this man into the great, great men hall. If you don't know who Savage Steve Holland is,
1: turn this off right now. Yeah. Go to Google and Google Savage Steve Holland.
0: Savage Steve Holland did four, is it? I think he only did four feature films. Only did four feature films. He did four feature films, The Adventures of Beans Baxter.
1: Which was one of the best TV series. I don't know why it was canceled. I just figured that. I don't Maybe know. Maybe because it was on Saturday. It was on Saturday. That's yeah, probably If it had been
0: any other night, it would have been a hit. If they brought it back today, yeah. it'd be a hit. I and love He also Beans did Baxter. something that I, I, a lot of people forget is that right after the failure of. Beans Baxter. He stayed on Fox because he did, and it lasted about three or four years. Know how
1: good Beans Baxter was? How good was Beans Baxter? Just as a point of reference for our audience, it was Briscoe County level. So if you like The Adventures of Briscoe County, you would like The Adventures of Bean mm-hmm. Baxter. Trust me. That's what we're you are talking, talking about. Duet, and Duet and we're which has about such the... a fascinating history because it's... of our mutual
0: yeah. love for, for Allison Laplaca. Uh, oh, yes, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, no, no. Alison Laplaca
1: deserves a wow! Alison Laplacca. Okay. She's mad She's hot.
0: The growl. Good. But She's as mad you, hot, yo. <laughs> as you pointed out, there are women who deserve the growl and there are women who deserve the wow! That's what Alison Laplaca deserves.
1: And again, we got people out there saying, who the hell are you talking about? Turn the show off, go Google
0: Alison Laplaca. Okay. Duet was the show they were really pushing. As yeah. Being the show that was going to be their central franchise. A... It- took place in real time. Yeah. So a week would pass between you watching episode one and two, mm-hmm. and a week would pass in the lives of the characters. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to tell the love story between these two single people. They had no soundtrack, which was pretty yeah, novel at which the time. Was pretty, yeah. And it was supposed to be very serio-comic. It was what we call now a dramedy. I'm trying to remember the ne- This shows you how weird this show's history is. I keep trying to remember the names of the two main characters, the actors. Mm-hmm. These were the people they were pushing as these are our breakout stars. However,
1: I never remember the name of yeah. any character Alison LaPaca plays because I just yeah. called. Ch- However, that's Alison. That's
0: fascinating. And this show lasted for about three to four years. It actually had a pretty long run. A because what was going on was that people were watching the show, but not for these two leads who were, quite frankly, sops, but for the friend of the male lead... Yeah! ...played yeah. by Chris Lemon, who had a wife, played by the uber-hot Alison LaPlaca, and their maid, who was also played by the... And I'm trying to remember her name because she's the voice of Harley Quinn. Equally hot. So what was going on was during the course of the four years, the show became less and less about them and more about the Chris Lemon and Allison LaPlaca mm-hmm. character and their home life. Right. Until eventually, they just gave up, canceled the show... Brought it back in the summer, has open house in which Alison LaPlaca decides she has to get her own career again and becomes a real estate broker opposite Bill Maher. Bill Maher, yep. And...
1: Their secretary was played by Ellen DeGeneres. Was, Ellen DeGeneres. This was her breakout
0: role. Yeah, was, yeah. That lasted for two years. That, la- yeah. That was frankly a better show than Duet. I also briefly touched upon Werewolf, and I know our good friend uh, Michael Bailey would not forgive us. Werewolf was their attempt because they figure who's at home on Saturday nights? Stay-at-home kids who don't have interest in sports and really like monsters and stuff. Don't have driver's license. Yes. So they came up with the forty-year-old men in their basements. (laughs) So they came up with the idea of doing this kind of adventure show that was one half Night Stalker. In fact, the main villain was named Yano Mm Scorzani, after the vampire in the first Night Stalker movie, and half the Incredible Hulk. So you had this kid who was bitten by a werewolf chasing after the person who bit him. Because that's the way you sever the curse. Yeah, you gotta kill the bloodline. Played by Chuck to... Connors. Yeah, by Chuck Connors. Those first couple of years, there was this kind of weird anything goes, let's see what sticks on the wall. Because you had some strange ideas. Like, for example, you had one of my favorite shows from that period, Women in Prison. But that was an Australian show. No, no, no. Wasn't that the
1: Syndicate?
0: There was. Australian soap opera, mm-hmm. Women in Cell Block. But, oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking of. That's yeah, what you're in, thinking of. Yeah, Women, women in soap. Prison was a comedy.
1: Yeah! Remember the comedy they had about the people after the end of the world? Oh, oops!
0: Which was on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock. So I know you would want to mention, its companion that year was Her. Flying Blind. Flying
1: Blind, yeah, which is where we first got exposed to Taylor Leone.
0: Yes. And in fact, I remember that much like the new girl's soul pitch is hey, look, Zoe Cheschanel. Flying Blind was. That's the hey, show. Hey, look! Here's your new hot girl, but that's the show. New girl wants to be. It was it new was a girl. romantic comedy yeah. about this stuck. It was kind of Dahmer and Greg before Dahmer and Greg. Yeah, where yeah. you have this stuck up stockbroker type. And he becomes infatuated with this free spirit, hippie chicky who works in a dive bar coffee shop.
1: Only two memorable things about that was Taylor Leone and the theme song, which was done Mm -hmm. by, of course, David David Byrne of the Talking Heads. Mm -hmm. I ain't gonna work here Mm -hmm. no more. Briscoe County Jr., we should mention him magnificent show which was on Fox Friday yeah. nights and Campbell's. a show that was cut down far too early in its prime but what I want to talk about a little bit now and I think you agree yeah. with me is the magnificent shows they had on Sunday night the lineup they had was incredible In one night you could watch The Simpsons. Which,
0: which spun out of the Tracy Ullman show. The Tracy, yeah, the Ullman, Tracy show. Ullman show was a really interesting show that yeah. I think people have forgotten about. First of all, it was a sketch comedy show. Yeah, it was a sketch comedy show. That, that's something that Fox never shied away from was the sketch comedy show because they had... In Living color. Again, it was on Sunday night. Uh, but we also had
1: on Sunday night, we had a show that you and I both agree is jeweling their crown. Yeah. What am I
0: talking about? Oh, I want to know. I want to hear what you say. Oh, the guy. He was supposed to be... Oh, the high school. Guy in the high school. Yes. Not 21 Jump Street. No, not,
1: not that crap. Oh, Parker Lewis. Parker Lewis came not That move. came in 1990. Which was one of the best shows until they took out everything that made it good and unique and turned into a generic
0: high school. Well, thankfully, the first two seasons are out on DVD thanks to The Show Factory.
1: Miss Musso.
0: Oh. Oh. You're thinking, of. Who's Miss Musso? Oh, God. Uh,
1: God, yes. No, no,
0: no, 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 May I again? Yes, sir. No, no,
1: she deserves a... Oh,
0: God. Melanie Chardoff. Melanie Chardoff. Melanie Chardoff. Char- I Chardoff somewhere. Redhead. God, curves where there should not be. Curves on top of curves. Oh, the thing that was great about Parker... This was the show... That did Ferris Bueller better than Ferris Bueller. Better than
1: Ferris Bueller, yeah.
0: And I tell people that all the time. They tell,
1: man, you didn't like Ferris Bueller? I said, no. I said, but what you ought to watch is Parker Louis. I particularly love that
0: last <coughs> episode of the first season where, as they're pulling away from that last shot, you see these two figures in the rafters watching. Uh-huh. And one goes to... So that's how they do it, Ferris. Yeah. Crack me the fuck up!
1: Even the producers of Ferris Bueller had to admit, because Ferris Bueller, most of you might not know, yeah. was itself a short-lived TV series. Very short-lived. Very short. With short-lived. Charlie Schlatter, couldn't even touch Parker Lewis. Oh god! You
0: yes. talk about Parker Lewis can't lose. That was a well, show. Parker Lewis. That was. They named that shit right. And Parker Lewis I, could not lose. Parker Lewis was the Marx Brothers for yeah. the early '90s. For team. the nerds. Yeah. It was a nerd because, because it was It definitely was. You figure, if Parker is Groucho, Mikey is Chico. Chico. And Jerry is Marco. right, the guy with the trench coat yeah. and he had all this stuff in there and he had
1: the secret headquarters yep. built inside the bathroom. They yep. had to go into the boys They bathroom. go through the locker room yeah. and the that
0: whole setup. And they
1: had the whole secret headquarters. Ba- oh man. This was as much of a live action cartoon as you could ever want. Until they screwed up and well, tried the Because thing they I-
0: cut the name, they just called it Parker Lewis well, and it became a generic See that's one of the things that we will notice about the Fox Network even up till today is that a lot of times Fox, I guess because it was so early in their career and they were afraid of losing more money than they already were losing, would not leave well enough alone. Yeah. Frequently they would have a show, and so sometimes it was for good reasons. There was a show, it was Tim Matheson and Sam Kinison. And the idea was this guy, he has an unhappy life, and he starts seeing Sam Kinison, who's his alter ego. Yeah. That show had to be seriously retooled because Sam Kinison was a fuck-up. Yeah. Who kept self medicating himself into coma. Now, let me ask you something. There was an episode
1: of. Married with Children with Sam Kinison was Al Bundy's Guardian Angel. Was well, that, that supposed to be a spin-off of it that? It wasn't a spin off so much, but frequently Or like a
0: side-off
1: or you know th- what would happen is
0: that frequently Fox would sign people up and use them over and over and over again in their different comedies that were already established until they found a project for them to do. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Matt LeBlanc. oh they love Matt LeBlanc before oh. Friends. They put
1: him in anything they could find, folks. They yeah.
0: eventually found a character the, for him to play
1: that was wonderful. This is why me and Tom are yep. going back to this episode. Noah Fox is... What? Fox is the Roger Corman of television. Because yeah. there's so many people that got careers today. Well, Bill Maher, that Maher was in a, a
0: half a dozen of these Right. That well. that in care- fact, Bill Moore. Was Tim Matheson's boss on that show? They would just use these people over and over and over again to, yeah. try to find something for them to do. Eventually, what they did with Matt LeBlanc is they found him a role and he appeared once or twice in Married with Mary Children, Children and as Kelly's Vinny, boyfriend. Kelly's boyfriend, Vinnie Viducci. Right. And then they revealed that Vinny's father Uh was Al Bundy's oldest friend and spun them off into a show... He was supposed to be like his high school... Yeah. Of
1: course, overlooking the fact that we've had married children for now, what, about four or five years and we've never seen this guy that all of a sudden, Joseph Belonda pops up and he's Al's best friend. (laughs) I
0: find it hilarious that they try so often to spin stuff off of Married with Children. Married with Children had, in its 10-year... Existence mm-hmm. had a total of something like six backdoor pilots. Yeah, yeah. That only one of which ever got picked up. I think it might was,
1: hold the record for the most yeah,
0: backdoor pilots. Because you had the one that we got picked up was the one we we're just talking about with Matt LeBlanc and Joseph Bologna You're called right. Room at the Top. Room at the top, Which, babe. by the way, introduced the world to this Joey Lauren Adams, mm. who I think deserves a, a, a small growl. Grrr. Has Vinny Verducci's underage neighbor who wanted Vinny. And we mm. mean wanted in yeah. the worst way. And yeah, yeah. Vinny, Vinny being a moral guy is going, nah, nah, that's that's creepy, man. <laughs> but they had this setup where Vinny gets a job at a country club, which is fine with his father because his father is obsessed with having him marry into money.
1: Yeah, that was the whole premise of Room at the Top was that he wanted Vinny... To marry up. Yeah. And he was always looking for him to marry Which is why the whole premise of the episode where he finally did show up is that he was trying to break up the romance yeah. between him and, and Al's daughter. And because, yeah, he said he yeah. had nothing against you because you're my best friend, but your daughter is dumb as a stump. Yeah. <laughs> she ain't got
0: no money because I know you ain't got no yeah. money. <laughs> you had that with his father trying to push him into getting into a rich wife. Mm-hmm. Coupled with this romance he had with Rita Moreno, who played the supervisor of the the country club, mm-hmm. that lasted a year. Then he came back again as Vinny and Bobby, yeah, Vinny and Bobby, with yeah. everything excised but Vinny, where he was working in a garage in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back to Married with Children after that show got canceled. Mm-hmm. In one of my favorite Married with Children episodes, Kelly's cable debut, where Kelly gets her own public access cable show, and she has Vinny on to do the pros and cons. Whatever against motorcycle helmet laws.
1: But what was the episode that they had? Was that the one with Bud Bundy? Because that was another backdoor pilot where he went to college and it was oh, the radio. Yes. St-
0: the one with Terry Russell. Yes, that was a backdoor. Yeah, right. Pilot. That was a
1: backdoor pilot. Was, uh, I
0: forget what it was called, but it was supposed to be surrounded. It about was in a Colle- college radio was, station. Right. It was
1: a college radio station. Yeah, that was another backdoor pilot. That was a backdoor yeah. pilot.
0: Then you had the No Man pilot, which they kept talking about, we want to do No Man as a series, and so you would always have, at least once a year, a No Man-centric episode.
1: Right. Even What's-His-Name, because there was an episode of Married with Children, Mm -hmm. you probably remember it. Remember the second husband that the neighbor Marcy had? Yes. They had an episode where No Man was supposed to go Mm -hmm. to a football game, and it was revealed that the end of the episode, he was actually a uh, CIA He op- was yeah. a black ops agent and yeah. the whole thing about getting no man to go to the football game was so he could assassinate somebody yeah. and at the end of the mo- and he was telling Al, and it was actually a pretty creepy <laughs> moment. It's just the two of us standing here. If I was a CIA agent, don't you think I could kill you and make you look like an accident? And Al said, proving he wasn't as yeah. dumb as he thought. Yeah. Oh, I know you're yeah. not a CIA agent. Yes. And then when he was going out the door, he breaks the fourth wall like looks at the audience. Well, the guy who played that part, he revealed later on, they Tried to develop a series for him, a pilot for his character about what he was doing before he married Marcy, and it was supposed to be revealed he was on the run for somebody, and that's why he married her and was pretending to be a gigolo. But people, they don't realize, just like another show we were talking about in another episode, which you will probably hear before this, we were talking about the cultural impact of The Gong Show. And people will look now and say, Well, what was so big about that? People don't realize the cultural impact of Married with Children back then. It was the biggest thing on TV. Scared Minnesotan housewives,
0: something fierce. Oh, yeah. People just... I mean, you know why I think that the show had the impact it did? For so long, we had lived with the idea of the sitcom where everybody secretly loved each other. Yeah. And everybody supported each other. Even the Norman Lear sitcoms where people got mad at each other and Mm. sniped at each other and argued with each other. You always got the sense that even though Archie was a nasty son of a bitch who was prejudiced against everybody who wasn't him, if somebody had her meathead... Or Edith. Or daughter. Edith, yeah. He would still be really pissed off. But
1: it was the same thing with the Bundys. Because yeah. even though they may bicker and fight them on themselves, mm-hmm. let an outsider come in. Yeah. And try. To, they would turn on the outside. But yeah, it was the thing about Al would come home. He had a hard day at work. He was, and it it was, was
0: the anti-Cosby.
1: Cosby was the number one family at the time. And guys related to that so much, Al mm-hmm. Bundy. And it was due to the comic genius. Everybody on that show, let's face it, was a comic genius. Yeah. Christina... Applegate. Christina Applegate. 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 Katie Segal. you got to be really smart to play dumb. People yeah. don't understand that. And she
0: played dumb brilliantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, you and I always praise Ed O'Neill as being yeah. an excellent actor, period. Period. And this was a show that he didn't want to... Do. It's funny, he said, I don't know if I really want to do this, and his agent said, look... Take it, it'll be off of the air in a year. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. He says that story to this day. Yeah. He Say, yeah, go ahead and take it, man. And people, if you've
1: never seen him play a dramatic role, go and see if it's on Netflix, see if it's available. Right. A pilot he did called Popeye Doyle, yes. which was based on the, the character. Right, the French Connection. He played that better than Gene Hackman, I yeah. think, because he really takes that character into some dark areas mm-hmm. where... Even Gene Hackman didn't take him. So Ed O'Neill has got serious acting chops, as you can see even now today, on Modern Family.
0: If they wanted to spin it off with just Mm -hmm. him, his wife, and Manny... See, I love the relationship he has with Manny. With Manny. There's a great deal of love that he has for Manny. In a lot of
1: ways, he gets along better with Manny than he does with his own wife. (laughs) You see how they interact with each other. Since Manny acts so much like an adult, it's like his character treats
0: him like an adult. I love that moment where he was getting really insecure about being married to sofia a yeah. character and manny reveals yeah yeah sit he, the, he sits it. him down and goes when my mom was working in that beauty parlor ben mm-hmm. would come in off the street and he said mom people hit on mom. yeah he said, people hit her on mom all the time you were the first person to make her laugh you made her laugh it's yeah. like, so you always liked me, it's like me he's well, there was a whole month didn't say your name
1: Yeah And he was honest with uh, it He yeah. said, yeah He said, but in essence He was telling Well, I was checking you out Yeah I'm looking after my mom And I think that in that moment That's when their characters Because then oh, he even re- before that though Because he-, he respected yeah. Manny then For coming to him and telling him I think
0: it's, it's a first season episode Where one of the workers At Al's warehouse Sorry, Al Why am I calling him Al Bundy? He go, but you know what? Yeah. Because we still do yeah.
1: call him Al Bundy It's Al Bundy Who finally got the life He yeah. wanted to have yes. <laughs> With a kid who respects
0: him, and he yes. got
1: money, and, and he a, a hot
0: wife. Yeah. When one of his employees lets Manny drive the forklift. Oh, the forklift, yeah. And there's a whole thing pissed off. Hmm. The guy got fired. Manny's trying to get the guy's job back, saying, "Look, it was my fault." It's like, no, you don't understand. Nobody endangers my family. Yeah, and I think that that's the moment where I think that. I think it was always obvious, but that's the moment where it's verbalized for the it's, audience.
1: It's got such moments of truth in yeah. a comedy as what families are. And I love Sophia Vergara, and I know me and Patricia was watching it one night. And she said, well, why does she have the accent? Why does she do this? She doesn't really talk like that. I said, yes, she does. So it's a little bit more exaggerated. And I realized the brilliance of what she's doing. Yeah. Because you know what they're doing? What? They're doing Lucy and, and Ricky. Right. If Lucy was... The Cuban yeah. That's what. That's holy shit. When I mm-hmm. realized that, they're fucking brilliant. That's what well, that's they're a doing. a brilliant show, but that's what
0: they're doing. Another thing that. that oh, that, we got to go, go back to Fox. Yeah, another thing that Fox mined very early on, and it became a major source of their power, and allowed them to keep alive for longer than they maybe should have, until they were well set. Was of course the soap opera. Mm. Because they came up with Beverly Hills 90210 Yeah, the nighttime soap opera, Which yeah. became a sensation So they spun that off Into one of my favorite shows Of all time mm-hmm. And I will admit Even though it was stupid And dumb And idiotic mm-hmm. But I loved it Because it was stupid I- dumb, idiotic And dumb and idiotic. Yeah. It was pretty people Doing stupid things To each other Melrose Place People forget What freaking sensation that thing was
1: which the CW has mined successfully for the past 20 years pretty
0: people doing stupid things what the CW has been doing is doing what it thinks Melrose Place was it's funny that they tried to do Melrose Place for real since Mm -hmm. they did Beverly Hills 90210 so well and they failed at doing Melrose Place you remember how angry I was at I I, listen, I remember. And yeah, people don't realize,
1: oh, Melrose Place, what was the big deal about it? Melrose Place, when it was on, was the show. Yes. If you didn't watch Melrose Place, you just was not they that. Had,
0: we had a name. You know that a show is major when your fan base has a name. The same way people talk about
1: American Isle the next yeah. day. That's how people talked about Melrose Place right. the next day. We people had... would People would call people on the phone. Did you
0: just see what just happened? In the, the office I was working at, whenever a season would be over, mm-hmm. I ran a betting pool as to what was going to happen in the season opener the following year. Okay. Also, they were the first ones to really look at science fiction and fantasy and say, "Yeah, maybe there's some money to be made here." Much as I didn't like the show,
1: I got to give props to the X Files because even before the X Files, if we didn't get the X Files, we wouldn't
0: have Fringe. Yeah, but even before the X Files, Fox was doing things such as. VR five, VR five, yeah, um, which they left on a cliffhanger, yeah, yeah. it lasted only one season. Yeah, Sliders, Sliders, which was very successful for them. Mantis, which Mantis, was like they wanted a superhero. Do show not so get bad. me started
1: on Mantis, folks. Let me tell you what they did to Mantis. Mantis was a movie that was about an African American superhero. Right, it was a guy was Tony Stark, played by L- Carl Lumley. Played by Carl Lumley. Was um, Tony Stark level intelligence? Right. Got crippled in an accident, but he became a superhero because he had an exoskeleton that he could put on. But he could only wear it for a certain amount of time because of the effect it was having on yeah. his muscles. It was literally too powerful. Right. But he did that, and he had this weird insect-like mask yes. he put on, and a trench coat, and he was a super. He put on a trench coat, a suit, and a tie. Yeah. And he went out nemesizing evil. They did a two-hour movie. That is one of the most brilliant pieces of superhero I fiction. I think up, the TV show had a different showrunner. Wait a minute, I'm getting to that. Okay, the two-hour pilot was brilliant, and everybody associated with this show says the same thing. Right. Fox got nervous because there was too many black faces on it. Yeah. So when it became a series, half of the cast was gone because they were either black or they were Latino. Because if
0: I remember correctly, Lumley had two assistants. He had
1: two who were Africans.
0: Yeah. Right, because part of his roots went back to Africa. The interesting yeah. thing about that pilot is that Mantis, yeah, it was a superhero film, but also seemed to have like one foot firmly placed in pulp. Yeah, 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 which is why I loved it so yeah. much.
1: Whoever wrote that, and I don't know, I'm going to do my research on this. Sorry, folks, I didn't know we were yeah. going to get into Mantis. And matter of fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to even see if I can find this pilot and review it for the Ferguson yeah. Theater. But it was a pulp hero he didn't have a costume, he had a suit and a tie and a yeah. trench coat. The only weird thing he had about was, was that, that insectile mask he had on which was a way he could keep in touch with his two assistants back right. at his headquarters. Because he had an underwater thing that he flew yeah. out of his ship out of, like, the Blue Beetle's bugs. <laughs> See, I was he, about to say. Yeah. He had a mantis. Right. It was a mantis ship. <laughs> and the show, they completely wrecked it. Yeah. Which they did that, but they were too nervous. They said, we need to. They had, I
0: remember watching the first, like, maybe three or four episodes of what, the ongoing series and going, this is stupid.
1: Yeah. But the two hour pilot for it was brilliant. And after we yeah, Fox Fox, I frequently to find
0: it. would do these pilots and use them as fodder for their Tuesday night movie. Yeah. Before they eventually gave up on the Tuesday night movie format. Two famous busted pilots I want to bring up. One is of course the Doctor Who pilot. Oh yeah. And the other one is Generation X. The pilot for an ongoing Generation X TV show, which would have starred a person I went to college with. Mm-hmm. The guy who played Skin Augustine. He was a peer of mine at Hunter College. Really? Okay. Scott Lobdell was brought in not to write the script, but to create the character concept. N- knowing the limitations of television, the budget he was given... He created two new characters to replace the ones that would have been the more difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Penance and Mondo, which were Refract and Buff, mm-hmm. it was the, the super powerful bodybuilder girl. Okay. But it was not a very good pilot, and I, I don't know how you stand on the Doctor Who pilot, which I think was... Uh, the Doctor... Interest, it was an interesting failure. The
1: Doctor Who pilot, as far as I know, was only shown... Well, they showed on New Year's Eve. I don't think they
0: showed a New Year's Eve. Yes, they did. We you should know, go and talk to Mike You know, and you know how I know that it
1: was shown on New Year's Eve? Because you know where I was New Year's well. Eve? Instead of sitting at home watching Doctor Who pilot like I should have been doing, yeah. I was at church. Okay. And my father-in-law, he didn't go. He was home. So yeah. I called him. And I said, listen, do me a favor. Take Doctor Take the Doctor Who, because we had VHSs back yeah. there. We didn't have DVRs. So, yeah, as far as I know, that's the only time it's been shown.
0: On Fox. It was shown on Fox. Stars a lot.
1: Yeah, it was shown on stars a lot. And I believe even Sci-Fi ran yeah. it. Yeah,
0: part of the problem... Before is, they there turned to Fi. The thing was, there were certain rights issues, which is why... For the longest time, it was available in England on DVD, but only available here recently. Right. Because it was done with Universal, and Universal owned the rights to the characters they created specifically. Yes, yeah,
1: specifically. The quote-unquote companions. Yeah. yeah. I love the inside of the TARDIS. Yes. Yeah. So did Russell C. Davies, because yeah. you could see the influence in the new series. They had a scene where the Doctor, it was after the adventure was over, and yeah. he went inside TARDIS, and he went in there. And they even had a portrait, I believe, and I'm trusting to my memory for this but I'm fairly confident of my memory that he had portraits of the previous yeah. doctors was on the wall he had a fireplace the in thing there I love
0: was that opening it, so this McCoy is in it for about 10-15 minutes yeah yeah. at the very beginning yeah. that opening shot the big big shot from way above where you got the impression that the new console room Went on yeah. forever. Right. That's what I loved about it.
1: Except for a Tom Baker episode, yeah. which you've seen. Remember the Tom Baker episode where his enemies were chasing him through the TARDIS? Mm-hmm. And we saw he had a swimming pool in there, a bowling alley. And somebody said, why do you have a bowling alley in yeah. here? And he said, well, why it not? Was in, you're thinking of Invasion of Time, yeah? he's being chased by the Sontaras. but Right, which is why I love the Sontaras. Yeah. That was one of the few episodes where we really got a sense that yeah. the TARDIS was a lot yeah. bigger than just that control room. I like Paul McGann a lot. Yeah. I didn't like the whole thing they threw in with him being half human but unfortunately i don't know if they ever dealt with that or that's something they just said well we're going to conveniently Mm -hmm. forget because
0: well every once in a while you hear like there's that reference in the waters of the mars about wait until you see what happened when one of your guys met up with the scallifreyan princess they keep kind of sort of making these weird circular illusions that you kind of ignore if you want to yeah well i ignore all that
1: yeah but we got to treat it as canon because as you said yeah they had Sylvester McCoy, and we did
0: see The Regeneration. And, the 2005 series counts it because we've seen references to Paul McGann. Right, the... exactly. So we treat it as canon. And, actually,
1: you know what's the most interesting about Paul McGann's what? tenure as a doctor? He is the longest tenure. doctor. Right. He only appeared in one movie. But if you take in all the big adventures, yeah.
0: he's actually the longest-running doctor. That's right. He lasted <laughs> from 95 to 2000. He lasted 10 years, which is longer than anybody. If I had a couple million dollars,
1: Mm -hmm. I would say, "Listen, can I independently produce a Doctor Who movie with this guy?" Yeah, because you know me, Tom Baker—that's my first love—and then is William Harnett
0: Yeah, Hartnell. Hartnell. But Paul McGann—I just like this whole look. And I would almost say, now, let's say we had an ungodly amount of money Mm -hmm. and the rights to do a Doctor Who movie, Mm -hmm. one of the possibilities is I would almost want to do the Time War story. Okay. Let's see him again going yeah. and dealing with the time war. Yeah, yeah. And then the last shot will be him starting his regeneration. And Christopher and then, Eccleston. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But the thing is is that you're the problem you you mentioned with Mantis, I think part of that was because they brought in a different showrunner mm-hmm. to, to take over. That happened a lot. A show that I really loved that was on Fox for a while was Sliders. Mm-hmm.
1: You and Patricia, for some reason or another. She was crazy about that show. She would literally would not leave the house on Friday. Mm-hmm, right. She didn't even trust the VHS mm-hmm. and we would stay on and we would watch because yeah. she was a big X-Files fan too. I didn't care for it yeah. too much but I gotta admit it had its moments. Yeah. Well, but yeah, Sliders. You,
0: sliders would star Jerry O'Connell and, yeah. and John Reese Davies. Davies and Sabrina. of course I, I remember the, the woman's name Sabrina Lloyd and Cleveland Derricks as Durricks. Crying Man whatever. He yeah. was like a blues he singer was, that he had, like, one hit in the late 70s, and never let people forget it.
1: And oddly enough, he was the only character throughout the entire series. The entire series. That lasted, yeah. yeah.
0: From first episode to last. Mm-hmm. He was, like, the last slide of standing, yeah. yeah. Fox had decided that they weren't happy with that, that the ratings the show was getting. hmm And they saw it as a big companion piece to Millennium, which was just coming in at the time. right. So what they ended up doing was they fired the original showrunners and put in Sam Peckinpah's son as a showrunner. Really? The third season is run partially by the Sam Peckinpah's son. And they told him, it's like, we want a monster in every episode. Right. And that third season is awful. Oh, my God. They killed the show on Fox. It murdered the show. They actually got... Jerry O'Connell's
1: brother Yeah To come away He because, left Yeah Because what happened it was It was supposed to be like He merged into
0: Fox Dropped the show The sci-fi channel Picked it up Picked it up I Right tro- Reached out to the original showrunners To come back That was when they came up With the idea Since Sabrina Lloyd Left at the end of Season 3 has did John Reese davies Left midway through and he was replaced by Carrie Wuer of Remote Control Fang as the most unconvincing major in the history of television. They brought in Jerry O'Connell's twin brother to, to play You're the role right. for Sabrina Lloyd. Mm-hmm. That's something that happened in the first 15-20 years of Fox was these rather rapid shifts in tone because the networks got nervous about the money that they were losing on certain things. What other shows do we
1: want to... Well, I'd like to mention what I still think is probably one of the most... Strange strange Walk,
0: I want to talk about. Go ahead, go ahead.
1: One of the most brilliant Mm -hmm. comedy shows I've ever seen, which probably has got the best theme song of all time. Gary Shanley. It's Gary Shanley's show. It started out as
0: a cable show. Yeah. And Fox owned it, so it said... Why don't we bring it on at nine? Why don't we
1: bring it on nine thirty? Yeah, and you set this is the theme to Gary Show. The, the opening theme, theme to Gary Show Here's is the, the music, music that you hear while we see watch the credits. the credits. We're almost halfway uh, through it. Yeah. How do you like it so far? Here's the by thing, Randy thing to by Randy Newman. Written in something yep. by Randy Newman. This is the theme to Gary, Gary Shanley Show. But it followed my criteria for. A great TV theme song. It told you everything you knew about the show in 30 seconds, right. like Green Acres. Green Acres is a brilliant mm-hmm. Gilligan's Island, the best theme song ever written for a TV right. show. You listen to the theme song, you got the whole
0: You're show the right there. Although I, I would say that sometimes opening credits for a TV show should be a perfect fusion of both the music and the graphics that we see. Cowboy Bebop, like the Brady Bunch. Yeah, the okay, yeah, the Brady Bunch graphically. You get yeah. you get the premise in the song, but you also graphically get. Yeah, I was going to say Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy perhaps, Bebop, yeah, as one of the perhaps the most perfect opening credits of all time. You know exactly the kind of show you're getting into. The Avengers.
1: Oh. Used to okay. have
0: the perfect, because once again, it gave you the effect, well, there's going to be some spy stuff, it's but that, it's going to be kind of funny, it's, it's for, stylistic, yeah. it's a little bit
1: playful, there's guns, there's yeah.
0: swords. Getting back to Melrose Place, Melrose Place had a great opening credit montage, mm-hmm. which once again set up the kind of show you were going to watch. Another kind of supernatural show that they did only lasted 13 episodes was, of course, Point Pleasant. Ah, yeah.
1: That's something that Fox tried yeah. after the X-Files. They tried so hard to have something because they wanted another kind of supernatural show like that, and they worked hard at it. Oh, yeah, they
0: worked seriously hard. Oh, remember Harsh Realm? The great relationship between Fox and Chris Carter. <laughs> I love talking about this. Where is he now? probably somewhere in Vancouver asking some teenager if he wants fries with that. One hit Carter. Chris Carter. I don't even know where they found this nuts.
1: And I'm going to tell you, and I know there's a lot of people out there, I just lost 50% of you, because I'm going to tell y'all, and I'm sorry if you don't agree with me, but this is how I feel. The X-Files was not as great as y'all think it was. Occasionally, they did have episodes that did reach for greatness. I specifically cite the episode... Directed by David Duchovny, right? Where he went and he talked to the, the guy. character
0: who was supposed to, to be Darren McGavin, right? Darren yeah. McGavin, which was in the original script, it was well, Carl it, it Cole was Kolchak, right? But he was not given the rights by Universal, right?
1: And he was talking about a case he had in the 1940s where it was a black baseball
0: player like, that actually out to was be an alien. alien, right? Who was the, playing for the Houston Grays, an actual yeah, and was actually gray, oh, yeah. yeah. That was a brilliant episode. The, the
1: episode that was shown only one time, and I still don't know how they showed it that, that one was time.
0: Home. That's the one I'm talking Holy about. Holy shit. With the written by, of course, two people that one of these days we are going to get around to talking about Morgan and Wong. We're doing a whole episode of these guys.
1: Oh my god. With the torso of the moms up up under the bed and the sons were having sex with it and they went in To this day I still cannot listen to that Johnny Mathis song without thinking of that episode. Wonderful, wonderful. wonderful. Those of you who have seen the episode know the episode where Mulder and Scully had to go undercover living in that gated community. Mm -hmm. Okay. There were some episodes that transcended the banality to you. Can, can I do my Jack Benny Rochester? Oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, I said that. Yeah. <laughs> if the X Files that starred Jack Benny and Rochester,
0: I do hey Mr. Benny! Rochester, I'm sorry I can't believe that this is just a Rat Cat Cat Man Mr.
1: Benny, I'm looking at it, I'm telling you, that's Rat Cat Batman and I am not know what a Rat Cat Bat Man look at, cause I've been looking at Rat Cat bats all my life, Mr. Benny The thing that's amazing about the X-Files I'm not cleaning that up, Mr. Benny That ain't in my contract <laughs> We should do a whole X-Files You should get a transcript and we do a whole special episode with you and Jay Vinny and me as Rochester.
0: See, I'd have watched that shit every week. I'd have been there every week. The thing that's fascinating to me about the X-Files is I get the impression that Carter got it on the air solely because, because you look at that first episode, that pilot episode. Now, we should mention,
1: first of all, before we get into Mm -hmm. the X-Files, in the interest of full disclosure, that for Fangoria,
0: you did a X-Files That was how I got into Fangoria, a relationship that I held for over 20 years. I was having lunch at Jackson Hole on 3rd Avenue on 36th Street. With my good friend, Michael Gingold, mm. who at the time had taken over as assistant editor at Fangoria. this was, He had this job for about a year and a half at this point. And we were talking about the X-Files. We were—we wanted to do an episode guide, but the guy that we hired backed out. And I said on the spot, I have all the episodes on tape. I'll do it for you. Mm. That's over 20 years I worked for that. Wow, okay. And I did every episode guide for every season but the last one because they finally determined that the show had... Fallen off the radar so much, <laughs> it was no longer a draw. Yeah. I also did their feature on the first X-Files movie, mm-hmm. which began with the opening. People are probably asking what the X-Files fight the future is about. It's about two hours. Yeah. You look at the pilot episode, it is so obvious that Chris Carter sold this on looking like Silence of the Lamps mm-hmm. to the point where... Jillian Anderson is made up with a hairstyle that makes her look oh, yeah, so and, much yeah. like Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, yeah. funny. It was a maddening show. Yeah, First two and a half seasons, Carter co-produced with Glenn Morgan and James Wong. Then Glenn Morgan and James Wan sold the pilot to Fox called Space Above and Beyond. It was going to be a war movie set in space. Mm-hmm. For some reason, Fox seems to like these shows that are something set in space. As we'll get to a little because I know people are wondering when we're going to talk about Firefly. And unfortunately, it lasted only a year, at which point Carter said, why don't you come back to the X-Files? I'm going to be doing the movie all this year. Could you be my eyes and ears and do the first half year of X-Files and do the whole year of Millennium? Which was a show that was renewed for uh, a second season. Right. And I've said in the past that I'm not a big Millennium fan, and I've also said in the past that the second season of Millennium Is so much fun It is everything that the first season was not Which was death and grief Mm. And sorrow and murder The second season was fun And it was entertaining And Chris Carter could not stand that And thus began the downfall of Chris Carter
1: My understanding of Harsh Realm Is that it was a very popular comic book
0: It was this comic book Done by James Hundell Who was
1: Illustrated by who? Derek Robinson
0: Yes, Derek Robinson One of Derek Robinson's earliest things. James Hundell was a very quirky writer. He did get some. Traction in Marvel. He did Alpha Flight for a while and did Strike Force Tory for a couple of years after Peter Gillis left.
1: But apparently, the only reason why Chris yeah. Carter bought the right title, he liked the title because you read the comic, yeah, okay, you expect to see some similarities. Yeah. There was absolutely no relationship yes. at all. It was a completely
0: new story about some VR. lasted three episodes. The only thing that kept it together was. The fact that there was a VR in both the comics. Yeah. And so they canceled out to three episodes, but Chris Carter wouldn't let good enough alone. So throughout the rest of the season of The X-Files and the season afterwards were a lot of very obvious digs at Fox. Yeah. Then came the public kerfuffle where he fired Morgan and Wong and badmouthed them to anybody who would listen. About, I didn't hire them to put this supernatural bullshit into Millennium. And then we're like, but... That was what made it fun.
1: To this day, what are the episodes that people always remember about Millennium? The Morgan and Wong episodes. What was the Darren three,
0: Morgan scripted, yeah. The one with
1: the three demons that were yeah. sitting down having coffee and the ones that featured Charles Nelson Riley as Jose Chung.
0: See, Darren Morgan, apparently Darren Morgan is one of these guys. He is an absolute genius, but he's also a guy. He wrote a couple of scripts when Morgan and Wong were producing The X-Files. Based on the strength of those three scripts, War of the Coprophages... Humbug, and Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. Mm. He was offered the job as script editor for the following year and did not like it at all and left after that one year. He was also helping as script editor on Space Above and Beyond. Apparently, with very rare exceptions, he will only write scripts for his brother, which is why we got Somehow the Devil Got Behind Me, which is the episode with Bill Macy as the demon in the coffee shop. Yeah. Which I think is one of the most brilliant episodes of television Oh, absolutely, ever. yeah. And Jose Chung's... From Out of Space. Jose Chung's From Out of Space is the first one. Right, the first one. The X-Files episode. Jose Chung... I forget what the, the second one is called, but it was based on the idea that Glenn Morgan turned to his brother and said, I want you to write an episode where Frank Black smiles. It smiles. Which he did. Yeah. And he wrote an episode for the show that Morgan and Wong did after... The Millennium X Files Kerfuffle, which was called The Others, which Mm -hmm. was very good. I think it was called 3.99 a Minute, which starred James Morrison as a fake psychic who suddenly gets real psychic Mm -hmm. impressions. I think since then he's done an episode for a British soap opera or something, and that's about it. And then there was The Lone Gunman. Oh, yes. The law government, which I think was the final nail in the coffin of the relationship. By this time...
1: Which, they didn't understand what that show was supposed to be about, because it was a throwback. You can tell by the credit to the 60s. The The weird
0: thing is, is that the pilot episode is nothing like what followed. Yeah! The pilot episode is this tense, suspense thriller about, really eerily, terrorists driving planes into the World Trade Center. Oh, well, that was never shown. Yeah, they didn't no, show it. No, they did. They, they, I recall seeing it. They did? They did yeah, show it? Okay. they oh, did show okay. it. And the rest of it was, hey, it's the lone gunman and their bestest bud, Jimmy Bond, I rem- hanging out with the hot launcher.
1: I remember the one. They may have shown the pilot episode later on, but the first episode that aired was the one that they was trying to find the engine that ran on water. And that was the second week episode.
0: That was the second week episode? They oh, showed okay, the pilot. Yeah. That was the pilot. The oh, okay. They did show the pilot with the The planes going into the... Right. Yeah. Which I'm sure would never shown again after Mm, 9-11.
1: Nah. But see, they didn't know what to do with the Lone Gunman. But I felt that... The
0: problem with the Lone Gunman was... The Lone gunmen were great supporting characters. Yeah. Who should never have had their own ongoing series.
1: But what happened? They had that great episode. Remember it was the episode... And Mulder didn't even show up until the end where it explained their origins.
0: Yes, the one which featured Richard Belzer. Which Richard Belzer as Detective yeah. Munch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who apparently is everywhere. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to write a story with
1: Detective Munch in it, just so I can... Hey, I'm going to write a Dylan story, and he runs it to Detective yes. Munch. And I'm sure that Richard Belzer wouldn't mind.
0: Hey, he's already in the Chimera uh, Falls universe at this point.
1: Uh-huh. Because he's in the Guinness Book of World yeah. Records as play Detective Munch is even, And I I didn't even know this. A Muppet version of Detective yeah. oh, Munch Lord.
0: was on Sesame Street. We should maybe mention some of the, the lowest, most shameful moments of all time. The Swan. Don't remember. The re- that was the reality TV show. Where, oh, my where God. The, yeah, The yeah. beauty pageant for yeah. plastic surgery. Yeah. Or Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire. Yeah. Which well, blew up in their face because well, of Darver Conger. Well, Fox has kind of contributed to yeah. reality TV. Well, isn't? they were kind of the beginners of that. They were the ones that started with all this stuff.
1: Well, American Idol, of course, oh, yeah. when they got all that, that, that blew up, and that kind of like triggered a whole yeah well, of, you oh, know, so you think you can dance, and X-Factor, and all these other stuff.
0: Some of that stuff, when they were looking for a gimmick, just got so weird. The one Mr. Personality, where everybody was wearing the concealing masks, and were competing for the one girl. Yeah. That was just bizarre. They were reaching with that one. Yeah. You should probably mention Cops. That was the beginning of reality TV. Isn't
1: that still on?
0: Yeah, I think it's still Cops on. Cops has yeah. been
1: on for, what, 25
0: years? Cops outlasted the show it spun off of, America's Most Wanted. Most watching. Wanted.
1: It's lasted like for 25 mm-hmm. years now.
0: Just bad boys,
1: bad boys. What, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Every Where they come for you? Stores.
0: Those guys get a check.
1: We should mention, that was another brilliant episode. The Cops X-Files crossover. Remember that? Oh, God. I, did, I love I that do. show.
0: Yeah, I do recall that one. Yeah, they did a crossover with Cops and X-Files. Oh, The worst X-Files episodes were the ones where Chris Carter was trying to prove he's was funnier than Darren Morgan. Oh, man, the one with Burt Reynolds. Yeah. That one, I pointed out, that was one of the worst albums in mean, TV ever. Burt made, Reynolds was God. It made me want to scream... They did put a sizable section. It was funny. When they got to the section about science fiction television, they showed clips from about maybe a half a dozen shows, five of which were canceled within the first year. Yeah. Because they showed Firefly. Firefly. They showed uh, the all five. all Of those, I counted them, and I said, all of them were dead within two years. Yeah. They showed Terminator, the, the Seren- Seren- Connor Chronicles. Chronicles. Yeah. Then they started talking about the X-Files at great length. And the episode they wanted to talk about as their best episode was postmodern Prometheus.
1: Oh yeah,
0: that was the one we share. Yes, yeah, the black and white episode. The black and white episode when Moonlighting did a black and white episode, they took full advantage of black and white. They gave us a reason why it was in black and white. Mm-hmm. The only reason postmodern Prometheus was in black and white was because Chris Carter wanted it to be in black and white. Oh, and then of course let's not forget the fact that Fox was the the host of the first cross network crossover. Yeah. Between Allie McBeal one, and actually two. One official, one unofficial. Yeah. The first one was the X Files Picket Fences crossover. Picket
1: Fences, right, yeah. But, but they did the one Ally McBeal
0: and, and the pra- and the practice. I'm and sorry, the I always practice. call it Boston Legal.
1: Yeah. Exactly. When it was still the
0: practice. And, and Fox practice. was not happy with that. <laughs>
1: They said this will never happen again. Yes. Let me explain folks. Ali McBeal was on Fox. Yes. And the practice also done by David Kelly. Yes. He was both doing were both shows. By David, Kelly.
0: Right. David Kelly had this kind of cozy home in Fox for a while cuz he also had Boston Public. Yeah. And in fact, I think that, was set, Boston in, public, that, that was, Boston was set in public. That was set in the high school. Yeah. Correct me if i wrong, didn't some Boston Public characters show up later in Boston Legal? Yes,
1: they did. So what happened was that The Practice was on ABC
0: at... Uh, Monday of, night, yeah, The Practice was on Monday night. They were both on Monday night. And Ally McBeal was on at 9 o'clock on Monday night. So they
1: had a crossover. One of the few times TV shows have crossed over where the story started Ally McBeal and it finished on The Practice. However, Fox had a big problem with that because what happened, of course, in order for you to go watch the second half, you had to turn away from the news. Yeah. And they didn't like that. They said... Oh, this-,
0: this is I always find amusing. And I always like to point this out to people. Because the first time David E. Kelly decided he wanted a cross-network crossover, mm-hmm. he reached out to Chris Carter. Mm-hmm. This was during the second season of The X-Files. When The X-Files was not doing well in the ratings, but it had like a, a fairly loyal fan base. Oddly enough, it wasn't until they moved it until Sunday night, season four, that it really took off. They came up with this storyline where Mulder and Scully would get involved with this cult in Wisconsin. Then they would migrate to this little Wisconsin town right. that uh, pick a fences. Right. And they have a little adventure there.
1: And I remember that story because that was one where they found out that the cows had human yes. fetuses in them, and that was the case. That Here's
0: the deal it wasn't CBS who knocked this idea, it was Fox. Yeah. Fox was the one who said, nah, we ain't having that.
1: Because they didn't want people yeah. turning away from Fox and going to another network like they did with the
0: practice. Yeah. They was turning away from them. They said, that's crazy. We don't want people leaving. We want them to stay and watch the news. One thing that we can say about Fox is it tended to find creators it liked and create these relationships with them. David E. Kelly. Like something like five or six shows on Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I think he finally got disgusted. He with had them. Uh, Snoops. No, Snoops was at ABC.
1: Yeah. Yes. Snoops was ABC. You yeah.
0: had Allie
1: with Gina Gershon yeah. and Paula Marshall. Well, <laughs> see, that's, I didn't
0: that's what I wanted to see.
1: The two of them getting Yeah, yeah. I don't remember nothing about the plot to the story, but I remember Gina Gershon and, and Paula Paul, Marshall.
0: Paula Marshall? Oh. Talk about undeserved obscurity. That girl was hot.
1: Matter of fact, Paula Marshall was so hot, they had to invent a new term for her. Yeah.
0: Because that's how hot she was. Because they had Allie McBeal. Ally. Yeah, the half-hour version. You had the, what was it, the Wedding Bells? The Wedding Bells, yeah. And I'm sure there was one other that I can't remember off the top of my head. So they had about four series. Chris Carter, during his tumultuous relationship with Fox, had... The X-Files lasted ten years. Had Millennium lasted three years. Mm-hmm. The Lone Gunman lasted lone gunman a half a season. Half a season. And Harsh Romans lasted three episodes. Three episodes. Josh Whedon, believe it or not. Josh Whedon, of course, created Firefly for them, which lasted seven episodes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, did Dollhouse lasted mm-hmm. two full seasons. And if it wasn't for Josh Whedon, they would not have signed Elijah Dushku to be in True Calling, where she played the coroner's assistant. Who keep getting whispers from the dead. Who talked to the dead? She was a dead talk. She was the, the corpse whisperer. Yeah, she, right. <laughs> and of course, the hilarious thing about that was, if you remember the ad campaign, they said nothing about the fact that she was working with corpses. All it was was Elijah Dushku in a gold lame gown going, hey, that seems to be Fox's move. Have you ever noticed that? What's that? Hey, look, hot chick. Well, yeah, well, most TV shows are. I think I have one hot chick. Yeah, but CBS launches on but the But
1: that's film. when all you got to sell, you don't yeah. have much of a show. I, I,
0: I, Hot I, chick. I agree with you. what you're saying. I mean, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, remember the postage for that? What did we see? Hey, look, Lena Headley. Hot chick. She's got a gun. Summer Glau. So,
1: uh, uh, <laughs> oh.
0: See, no, okay. But, uh, but
1: let me ask you a question. About Summer Glau. Now, we were talking about that we want to know what Chris Carter was doing now. You know who I would really like to know what he's doing now? Okay, who? the guy at Tom Warner who finally told Josh Whedon well we're not going to go through with your Wonder Woman product actually, if if I actually recall project.
0: correctly it was Josh Whedon who told them dude can't really because I have these
1: fantasies of this guy sitting in his office yeah. in this storm of Warner Brothers yes. suits just bum rushing in his office you dumb son of a bitch and just grabbing him and dragging
0: him out. he's like well what
1: did I do and what did I do executive
0: cover? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was, oh, we can't stay mad at you, when we, Executive Curtis?
1: We gotta hang him now. It is all just going, We gotta hang you now. <laughs>
0: what did I do?
1: You're a dumb son of a bitch. Hey, okay, you wanna know
0: something bizarre? What? To give you an idea about the very bizarre relationship Josh Whedon and Fox have, mm. apparently Buffy was originally developed as a Fox network show, mm. and they said, Nah, we're not having that. We got Dark Angel, the show that unleashed Jessica Alba onto the world. And when that happened, I said, didn't you learn from Steven Spielberg and Amazing Stories?
1: Well, back then, James Cameron, nobody told him no. So he said, I want a two-year commitment. You're going to put this on for two years. I don't care how the ratings are. And they said, yeah, sure, because he was James
0: Cameron. Boy, did they regret that shit. Oh, God, yes. Once again, it was interesting that this was a show, I think it was to my, hey, look, Hot Chick. Yeah We touched very briefly On Point Pleasant Which I thought It was a slow burner Mm -hmm. But once it picked up steam It became A great show But The advertisement For that show Was solely Elizabeth Harnoy's Rising up from the water Hey look Hot chick Mm -hmm. They are still doing it To this day Hey new girl Hey look Hot chick Any other shows We want to bring up
1: I can't think of any. I think we've covered just about as much of Fox as people can stand. (laughs)
0: I'm just trying to remember. I know that there's one show that you put in the Knox, which is, of course, Chris Elliott's Get a Life.
1: Oh, God,
0: I hated that show. Oh, one thing, we were talking about Parker Lewis, Mm. and that reminded me about something. Fox was very innovative in their time because they were the ones who first started experimenting with the year-round season. Yeah. There was that two years where they had announced that what they were going to do is, there were certain shows, shows that were doing particularly well, they were going to purchase an extra six episodes that they were going to show during the summer. Parker Lewis was one of them. Beverly Hills 90210 was another, Mm -hmm. where you would have a full season. Then you would have the mini season that started in July. In the summertime, yeah, yeah. Which was very interesting in and of themselves. It's that
1: I believe was a show we didn't touch on, that I considered to be very innovative. And I love
0: Mm -hmm. Herman's Head. Yes, yes. Herman's let's, Head probably let's talk about Herman's head for a second. With mm. William Raglan. Yeah of uh, Fright Night Fame. Right. The idea was And Herman, what the premise of the show
1: was that you had different aspects of his personality. One of them played by the voice of Lisa Simpson. Yes. Uh, well no no,
0: no. Yardley Smith was one Yardley. of his co workers. He was a copy editor at a magazine and his best friend was Hank Azazi. Hank Azaria, yeah. Who Yardley's, also went on yeah, to The Yardley Simpsons. Yerdley Smith. I think that's why they got most of these because a number of them were. Yeah, well, yeah. Smith was another co-worker. Mm-hmm. I think she was the boss's secretary and the world's hottest lesbian was his sort of rival slash love interest. Who's that? What is, why, I'm trying to remember her name. Jane. She was also in The Incredible Teddy Z. I know but, what you're talking about. I can't think of her name either. She's now in a relationship with... Portia de Rossi or something. Yeah, yeah. So he was his unattainable object of affection. Mm-hmm. And the different personalities, there was one that was played by Peter McNichol. Mm-hmm. was his intellect. His
1: intellect, of course. There was, was it Ken something? Uh, there was Gluttony. He was a fat guy. fat guy. Right, that was like his iD. Like, his, I want, I yeah, want, was, I want. That's what you're right. There
0: was
1: uh, I know a female played a his female emotion that was his passion. right yeah. his emotional side yeah. there's five different characters that played yeah. aspects and so as as what would happen hap- is
0: it would be a normal sitcom plot right. and every once in a while we would cut into his head into Herman's head And see it, these characters were arguing out what mm-hmm. Herman should do yeah there were a lot of fairly innovative comedy shows. I did. like Termin's Head. I People like, forget one of my favorite, you know, short-lived comedy shows they ever did was Andy Richter controls the universe. The first project that Andy Richter did after he left Conan O'Brien for a while, and I still claim that Andy Richter is a funny, funny guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, but he's never been able to do it.
1: A... He's never broken out.
0: Yeah, because he did... Andy Richter controls the universe where he is a copywriter for a Chicago-based appliance making firm. hmm And then he was in another show for them. He was called Quintuplets, in fact. Mm-hmm. Where he was the father of Quintuplets. That was awful. And then he was, jumped to NBC and did the Andy Barker P.I. Yeah, Andy
1: Barker P.I. Which I, was right? also
0: brilliant. Yeah. But that lasted, what, about a half a season? About a half a season, yeah. It, it did not do well. But Andy Richter Controls the Universe was this weird, magic, realist, sort of surreal show. For example, he frequently had conversations with the ghost of the founder of the company. He was a man circa 1920. Mm -hmm. So he was like this horribly racist, misogynist pig Mm -hmm. who would abuse Andy for being a Nancy boy. Mm -hmm. And He's responsible for my favorite line in the entire series, which is, If you teach a man to fish... He gets to eat for a day. If you hit a man with a rock, you get to take his fish. <laughs> and his woman. <laughs> he would do something really terrible on the show and go, I know you guys hate me, but look at this. And he would cut to a picture of him wearing a coat of puppies. Aww. Look at me, I'm wearing a coat of puppies. You can't hate me now, right? Well, yeah, because you're making a coat out of puppies. <laughs> well, no, it was like live puppies squirming all around. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I let them run around free. Yeah. yeah. It was a wonderful, weird show. The other show I wanted to talk about and another show that has a tangential relationship, and maybe, and unless you can think of anything else, this will be the last thing. A tangential relationship with The X Files was Strange Luck, starring D.B. Sweeney. Was that the guy that found a newspaper every day? No, 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 that's evening, That's early edition. Oh, That's okay. a CBS show. Strange Luck was about a guy, I think his name was actually Chance, much like another famous character from a Fox show mm. that we both loved. Yeah, the and,
1: human target.
0: Who just had the weirdest luck of all. I think, if I remember correctly, he was the only survivor of a small plane crash. Parents died, mm. he was left an orphan, but for some reason things just happened his way. And he got involved with different people. Mm -hmm. Francis Farmer was a friend of his, Mm -hmm. and she was wicked hot. Uh, Especially for somebody in her late middle age. Yeah, yeah, Francis Farmer, yeah. The show only lasted 13 episodes, only lasted half a season. Mm -hmm. The last episode, the series finale, he gets a phone call from his brother, because his brother shows up every once in a while. brother says, look, if anything happens to me, I want you to contact this guy in Washington named Fox Mulder. Wow. It's like answering machine message. However, uh, we never got that episode. There was an episode two seasons later involving a guy with weird causal Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's played by Ben Cross. Okay. So I don't think he's the same character. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Fox did wrap up Millennium. Although I found it funny that for a show that was supposed to be not about supernatural bullshit, like Chris Carter claimed it was, mm-hmm. when time came to wrap up the Millennium plot in The X-Files, it turns out it was... Exactly about Exactly. Supernatural supernatural yeah, I remember that, yeah. And I'm like, uh, wait a minute. Isn't this what you... Isn't this what you on? said it
1: wasn't going you But then again, Chris Carter said, oh, well, I can promise you that Fox oh, and will never kiss, they will never... can I, 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 I say
0: the, the, the famous quote?
1: Yes, you can not The say. famous
0: Chris Carter quote from season one. did an interview in season one, and he said, there are three things I will promise you will never happen. Fox in bed... With Scully Scully in bed with Skinner Or Fox in bed with Skinner That went out the window Of course Because of course Chris Carter was This is something that I learned The first couple of years of X-Files Where you got the sense that There actually was This great mythology There was this bigger story He was telling And that's what Kind of sucked me in In addition to the fact that But then later on It just you got You realized It got too much
1: of a sense of Well I'm just making this shit well, up Because yeah, no, he,
0: he would bring in new elements That contradicted previous elements Yeah yeah And you realize. You're just making it up. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. And I still contend... You're to... like the rest of us. You don't yeah. know what's happening either. Personally, I still think they should have ended it at the end of season 8 with Fox being sent up in the air.
1: Yeah, well, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah let, have him be abducted like his sister and we don't know what happened to him. And that's the
0: perfect But way. yeah, strange luck. Everybody yells at Fox for canceling shows too soon and not having faith in the shows they put on. And yet you look at some of the shows like X-Files that they kept on for the first three years, even though their ratings were low. They gave Arrested Development three years. Yeah. Three years to find its audience.
1: Until this day, I still don't understand what it is to deal with that show.
0: And they're bringing it back on Netflix. Yeah. There were many shows that people look back on fondly that didn't get the ratings that Fox wanted, but that Fox kept alive for a while. Fox really wasn't comfortable with Parker Lewis because it cost approximately about a million dollars every year. That show was very expensive to produce. But they figured they could grow the audience. And it, mm-hmm. you'll notice, it wasn't until season three they started... Yeah, well, like they chopped off the
1: can't-lose, yeah. and it was just Parker Lewis. The first Lewis. two seasons, they... And it was pretty much a straightforward yeah. high school drama.
0: And it got dull after that. For every Firefly, there is an Arrested Development, they gave it a chance. Or a Parker Lewis, where they gave it every chance they could. And with Parker Lewis, they even tried changing it after two years. To no effect. In fact, the problem was... It didn't bring a new audience, and the audience... Yeah, well, that's what it me. was, yeah. It was like, why are we watching yeah,
1: this? Yeah, why are we watching this? Yeah, this isn't the show I signed off on.
0: Yeah, that's some of the stuff that they should have mentioned when they did their two hours instead said, wasn't The Simpsons correct? to I, I, I keep bringing this up. Yeah. yeah. Some of the other animated shows, people forget... King of the Hill was on for over ten years.
1: Yeah. And that never gets mentioned. King of the Hill is kind of an anomaly. anomaly. That's an animated show that there was no reason why it should have been animated. It wasn't surrealistic. Exactly.
0: Unlike uh, other... Events, there wasn't like any... DJs
1: the There and, wasn't anything that they
0: did in King of the Hill they couldn't have did in live action. Yeah.
1: It was a very weird
0: cartoon. I, it's funny that, like, for some reason, the only place that animation works in prime time is Fox. It's Fox, yeah. Because, Lord knows... WB tried it a lot. Oh, yeah.
1: They tried with Baby Blues. Baby and, Blues, Mission Hill. Uh, Mission Hill.
0: Which I actually kind of enjoyed. But Fox, you had King of the Hill. You have oof, the inexplicable thing that is Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. you
1: had the same Which I don't watch unless it's a Brian and Stewie episode. Yeah, and Usually the episodes of Brian and Stewie are the best ones.
0: The thing that's kind of fascinating is that everything could have been done live action. Yeah. Although I will say,
1: Hank's son...
0: Oh, Bobby One of the ten best it.
1: characters, period. <laughs> yeah, live action or animated in a sitcom. If they
0: just did an entire series of Bobby and Boomhauer.
1: Y'all, yeah, Boomhower was cool. It was like Sun. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, It's <laughs> like Mumble's son. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> they That's had the Futurama. Critic. They brought the critic over. The critic. It, it, it was on ABC, yeah. and then they brought it over here. Yeah. yeah, but this is the only place. Yeah. that animation seems to thrive. Uh, what well, ABC tried it with Family Dog?
0: That didn't last. Uh, was it, with... Actually, it ended up being on UPN. Oh, really? They did do yeah. Family Dog? Okay. UPN ended up doing Family Dog along with, uh was it, Home Home Movies, I think, was a very clever show. Yeah, Home Movies, And I yeah. loved Home Movies, but the Wiggle Vision gimmick bugged the fuck out of me. Well, that's why they abandoned it, I think, yeah. for the last season. When, when they vent- Just like Dr. Katz. Celebrity oh. psychiatrist, they did it. Right. Thing. Last only a season on UPN, mm. but when uh, Cartoon Network... Decided yeah, It's yeah. Adult Swim. Adult Swim, right? It started running the home movies episodes, and people liked it. And then they decided to mm-hmm. do new episodes. But when and that's, that's when the that's new when it, yeah. they
1: dropped it with the squiggle. With vision, the squiggle yeah. vision.
0: Well, ABC tried a couple of things that failed miserably in animation. Capital Critters. Oh yeah Did they do Fish Police? No Fish Police was CBS With CBS Yeah they tried Fish Police Perhaps the biggest Animated bomb That ABC Dropped on us Lasted only two episodes Even though six were made And they are brilliant But ABC didn't know What to do with them Clerks. Oh, Clerks, series. yeah, the animated series, yeah.
1: They call Kevin Smith, and you know what you're getting when yeah. you get Kevin Smith. You don't call him, and then when he delivers what you hired him for, say, well, this isn't what we yeah. wanted. Well, what the fuck did you hire him for in the first place?
0: Now, I own the box set, which features all six episodes, mm-hmm. and each episode has a commentary. If you listen to the commentaries straight through from episode one through episode six, it runs as a kind of interesting oral history of the entire debacle. Okay. And one commentary Kevin Smith talks about he knew this was a mistake when he got onto an elevator with two executives who did not know who he was and they slagged the show. They were talking about the show and how awful it was.
1: Well Kevin Smith and I still maintain to this day Mm -hmm. if you folks haven't seen it yet go on Netflix or YouTube and watch where he talks about what he went through writing a screenplay. Yeah. That is a piece of stand-up that is so brilliant, I compare it with Richard Pryor. Mm -hmm. That's how funny it is. And then you realize why so many movies are screwed up. Yeah,
0: it is truly insane.
1: But yeah, but Fox is the one that has continued on with. Yeah, and they're the only ones that seem to know how to make it. And if one fails... They just don't want to know Yeah, more. exactly.
0: You know, I've like listened to the Adam Carolla show. They're always developing new animated things. He's been talking about they're doing one with this Mr. Bertram character. Well, they're doing the Flintstones. Yeah, they're doing the Flintstones mm-hmm. with McFarlane. Because I think the thing is, is that now they're terrified because their big anchor for that night, The Simpsons, is gone after this. Well,
1: show. yeah. So they're trying to create something, yeah. yeah. And I'm sorry, Family Guy and The Cleveland Show if um, American Dad. America just ain't making it for me. I never
0: liked The Family Guy.
1: I liked it for the first couple of seasons.
0: There is only one moment I liked in Family Guy that I can... Which is, of course, when, for some reason, Peter sings Shapoopy from the Music Oh, back. that was
1: a brilliant episode, yeah. They did the Shapoopy thing from, you know, the Music yeah.
0: Man, yeah. There you go. They just wanted to put some of these memories about some of the shows that Fox did not want you to remember.
1: And yeah, which they should have told you about.
0: Instead of going on about, yeah, we all know 24 was great. We all know that The X-Files was a big hit. We all know that Beverly Hills 90210 was a trendsetter. What about Madam President? The Madeline Kahn starring show about the first female president.
1: Or Hermit's Head. Or, or Is Gary Shalink Show. Or some of these other things that they didn't mention. That were the Ash. backbone
0: of what you're watching today, okay. you want to know what, what's, the, what's the funny thing about Seth MacFarlane? What? As much as I hate his animated stuff. He did, very briefly, and I'm trying to remember what the name of it was, the live-action show for Fox, starring... What was his name? He was one of the correspondents on The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. Rob something or other. It was basically kind of like a, another take on the whole premise of Get a Life, where this guy had been so smothered by his mother, he had no way to relate the outside to the real world. the real world, yeah. And then a woman he really likes moves into his, And he relates better to the, her 12-year-old mm-hmm. son. And he starts... Learning from the, how to relate to the real world through talking to the. Through his relationship through with the, the boy. Yeah. It only lasted about four or five episodes, and that really? I really liked. That one worked out for me a lot. I can't stand whatever Seth MacFarlane does with animated stuff, I can't look at it.
1: He was a recurring character on the Michael Rapaport series, The War at Home, where he played the boyfriend of Michael Rapaport's underage daughter. He was funnier in that, yeah. being himself, than any of his animated Hell, stuff. You know, when I hear him being interviewed, he comes off as an it, interesting He's hilarious. Interesting guy. He's the cat can sing his ass off. You ever heard him do Sanders' YouTube and you know him with a full orchestra where he's singing Sanders from the 30s and... Frank Sinatra songs. Yeah. The guy's got a fantastic singing voice.
0: There you go. I guess it's time for the administrative. Mm-hmm we're up to 142. Whoa! And to think we only thought this was going to go on for about an hour. Anyway. It really does. Whether you love us, whether you hate us, whether you want to say that you preferred the Goofy Mantis from the ongoing series with the multiracial cast and they should have done more shows like that. Or is that you actually a fan of American Dad. There's a number of w- ways you can get in touch with us. You can send us an email at That's in the dark at earth2.net. That's dark at earth-2.net. You can go and join our uh, message board. Yes, it still does exist. It's just all covered up in the cobwebs. you got to pull them aside. It's dead. The wolf dead. The The dingo ate your baby. baby. It's at betterinthedark.proboards.com. You can join our Better in the Dark Facebook page. Just go to Facebook, type in Better in the Dark, pull up a chair, and you can see all the naked pictures and other stuff. You can follow us on Facebook. Both Derek and I are, have our own names there, so we're not hard to find. We, we are not accountable. Hard to find. You can follow Derek's frequent reviews of movies and stuffage at the Ferguson Theater. And
1: Tom, you can find his as Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes, 10 Statements About, in which he will dissect and give you the
0: essence of a movie in 10 witty, pithy statements. Yes. No more, no less, and sometimes TV shows. If you are interested in reading some really kick-ass fiction, there's a number of places we advise you to go. Pulpworkspress.com, which will be soon be releasing the upcoming Hi oh Dylan and the Pirates uh, of Zonira. Zonira. Hopefully, uh, it will be out now. Later this on is this year. the third Dylan novel, but the fourth Dylan book. It's the fourth book. The
1: first novel is Dylan, the Voice of Odin. Second novel was Golden Bell. Dylan and Legend of the Golden Bell. Then there was Four Bullets for Dylan, which was four short stories. Yes. And this is going to
0: be the third novel. What other wonders do we have at Pulp Works Press? Oh, uh, well, we got like a Perry Constantine's got a, a novel, Well, yeah, Dragon Kings of the yeah, Orient, Dragon Kings of the Orient, which was released
1: this year, Gods of the Dire Planet by our good friend Joel, Joel Jenkins. Jenkins. That's it for this year. Okay, that's it. That's it. I should mention also, although it's not a Pulp Works Press novel, but I highly advise that you get it pick it up because I read it. It's a fantastic book. Joshua Reynolds, Night of the Blazing Sun, Mm -hmm. which he did for the Black Library. It's a Uh,
0: Warhammer novel. Black Flame. Oh, the people that screwed us over. We are not going to go into Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah, this proposal you've given us about guys going into people's dreams, could you rewrite that as a Texas Chainsaw book? Yeah. That's neither here nor there. That was a debacle. That was a debacle. Wrapped in a farce. Wrapped in a joke. Anyway, you could also go to pro Press. Mm-hmm. pro se Press is where you will find the adventurers so the, the of adventures Sovereign of... City, right, including Fortune McCall, the, the adventures first
1: Adventures of book. Fortune McCall, and Barry Reese has got the Adventures of Lazarus Gray. And shortly coming up will be the Adventures of Doc Day, written by mm-hmm. Tommy Hancock.
0: Right And there's also going to be a uh, mosaic novel coming up Uh, With all three characters
1: That's the plan Once Doc Day gets out Then we're going to start working on that But I'm already about 5,000 words into The Return of Fortune McCall Which has an appearance by Lazarus Grey Mm. They meet for the first time Ah. In this one So hopefully if I get off, off my lazy ass And write that That will be out later on this year In November or December.
0: And finally, of course, it's time to salute the great Ron Fortier of Airship 27. Captain Ron. Which has a number of really cool books that might be of interest to you, including Tales from the Hanging Monkey, which features a story by Derek. And also the aforementioned... Joshua Reynolds and Tommy Hancock and Bill Craig. And of course, The Moon Man Volume 1 is still out, mm. featuring the goofiest character ever to talk the pulse. I
1: love The Moon Man.
0: You gotta <laughs> run around with a fishbowl on his head. head. That's Mysterio's
1: dad. It must have been Mysterio's dad. I am about to say, yeah, yeah, that's what Mysterio got there. Son, I'm gonna tell you
0: something. Nothing beats having a fishbowl on your head. Upcoming, in the coming months, will be the Sinbad anthology.
1: Sinbad, uh, New Voyages. Ron said, listen, I want to do Sinbad. So, think of the Harryhausen movies. That's what we've done. And it's going to be... Matter of fact, I think I'm safe in saying there's going to be two volumes of this. Because, for some reason, people love Sinbad so much... They just sent and run. Ian Watson wrote his story in 39 hours, a 15,000-word story in 39 hours. That's how much Sinbad captures the imagination, and I think that there is not a person out there who hasn't seen at least one of the Ray Harryhausen movies. So that's like a built-in audience, right? And of
0: course, New Roads to Hell. Yes, your book coming out. Expound, expect- expound. Well, it's a book, and it's coming out, and you can read it. And it's got characters and doing pictures doing by by Michelle Suda. It's got characters doing exciting things for excitement's sake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book. You're going to enjoy it. Trust well, yeah, me, Derek I, has read it. I've so. read it already. You're going to like it. Trust me. But
0: it's not work safe. Not for the faint of heart. No, 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 no. But that's the era I'm writing in. Yeah. Anyway, so I guess that is it. Let me say that the five voices in your head tell you you better come back here in about two weeks' time for another episode of... Better Better in the the Dark. dark. Go see that movie. Go watch that TV show. Good night and God bless.
1: Mommy, Daddy, I was so scared last night. I thought I heard somebody trying to get in the house way after midnight. But it was only Parker.
0: Parker! You've been listening to Better in the Dark featuring Thomas, EJ, and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Alyssa, Deeps, and Derek of the Big Red Podcast. Sean of Just One of the Guys, Coolop and Howie of Who Charted. Eric Froman, of course, all the lovely members of the Better in the Dark message board at Better in the Better in the Dark once slid into an alternative dimension where it was a podcast about beat farming. The less said about that, the better. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com. And don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at wwwb Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright Thomas E. J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that Beans Baxter will save every one of us. Stand for every one of us. That's beans.
1: March, get your butt over here right now!
0: No!
1: <laughs>